It's a Thursday. I know because my friend Topher's mom picks us up from school to get water ice on Thursdays. I'm in a jovial mood. I'm 14 years old without a care in the world. The bell rings. I close my locker and I avoid the bully at the end of the hall, dipping out the back door. I meet up with Topher and we head towards his mom's red Honda Civic. We get in. Topher's mom says, Kurt Cobain was found dead in Rome. I was heartbroken. I didn't want the water ice, but I ate it anyway. I get dropped off at home. I rush to my room and I turn on WDRE radio in Philadelphia. I listen for any news that will ease my adolescent mind. My hero can't be dead. It was Thursday. Bad things don't happen on Water Ice Thursdays. Over the wire comes the news. Kurt's alive. He's overdosed, but he's going to make a full recovery. I'm happy, but I'm also sad. I don't understand what drugs are yet and how they can destroy a person. A month later, Kurt Cobain will be found dead in his greenhouse from a self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. Between that Rome scare and April 8, 1994, a month had passed. I remember thinking to myself that something was not right, but there was no way of knowing. I selfishly kept thinking I might not get a chance to see Nirvana at Lollapalooza that summer. I was still pissed that my mother wouldn't let me see Nirvana on a school night at the Armory in Philadelphia a few months before. It's a Friday when I find out he's dead. I had big plans for the weekend, but I don't remember them now. What I do remember is being laid out on my bedroom floor, crying my eyes out, listening to the radio, and not taking phone calls from my friends. MTV is on in my room. My prized posters of Nirvana that I got from South Street a year ago are staring back at me. Kurt Loder looks depressed. I've never seen him depressed before. I call into WDRE and get on the air to express my sentiments. I say, even though Kurt is dead, his music will live on forever. I tape myself saying this and listen to it over and over again for the next year or two. I debate whether or not I said the right thing. My mom and dad pop their head in but don't know what to say. I mean, after all, John Lennon was shot by Chapman. He didn't take his own life, nor did he shoot up a lethal dose of black tar heroin before blowing his fucking brains out. For the first time in my natural life, I feel genuine anger, loss, betrayal, remorse, depression, grievance, and a multitude of other emotions that turn me into a rather dark teenager. My parents drag me to church on Sunday. I hate church, but I go anyway. I wear a shirt with Kurt Cobain on the back of it. Priests ask for two volunteers. I raise my hand. I never raise my hand. I stand in front of the church congregation. Priest asks me, Are you ready to let go? I shake my head yes. He tells me to close my eyes and fall backwards. I think about Kurt falling down stage. I do what the priest says, hoping to hit the floor hard. I don't. The other volunteer catches me. I'm kind of pissed off. I want it to fall too, like Kurt. School Monday sucked. I remember a few kids teasing me about it, making me feel like a pussy for caring. I didn't like that. Maybe I was a pussy for having feelings, for having empathy like Kurt towards others. Dealing with this on my own was very difficult. Looking back on it now, someone or something should have been set up for kids like myself dealing with this grief. My school didn't address Kurt's suicide. Maybe they didn't know the actual cultural significance of what Kurt's, Kurt's death brought to the table. Maybe they just didn't understand. I was at a loss. I became introverted and scared to talk to people. I had no way to express my feelings. My parents didn't understand. My brother was too young to understand. I feel like the onset of my adolescent years started with a shotgun blast. I obsessed over it, not able to get it out of my head. I never even heard the word suicide before. I didn't even know it was possible for someone to take their own life. Time passed by. Girls started to take interest in me after I lost some weight and grew my hair long. I started to play in a band. Things got better, but they never ever felt right. Every now and then, the ghost of Kurt Cobain pops up in my life. It happened just a few weeks ago when I got sick and had to have a small outpatient surgery. I had some recovery time on my hands and I couldn't really talk much, so I decided to just read a bunch of shit. The first book I picked up was Heavier Than Heaven by Charles Cross. 
I read this book numerous times before, so I flipped to the end of the book, the most fascinating slash depressing part of the book, The End Times of Kurt Cobain, the month between Rome and the greenhouse. I imagine myself traveling back in time, stopping Kurt at the airport, or even better, burning down the gun shop that sold the shotgun to Dylan Carlson, Kurt's best friend. I became obsessed. I couldn't stop searching the internet. I watched the conspiracy films over and over, trying to make sense of it all, again at age 37. Last year, the film Montage of Heck by Brett Morgan came out. I've been waiting for that documentary for years. I was almost scared to watch it. It was set to air on HBO on a Sunday night, but I got an advanced copy through the dark realms of the internet. I watched that film on a Tuesday before its debut. I was in tears, especially the scene that shows Kurt loaded on heroin during Francis' first haircut. I sent off a tweet to the director, floored when I got an immediate response, one that requested my phone number. Within 10 minutes, my cell phone rang. Brett Morgan, the director of the film, was calling me. I shit you not. I told him I loved the film and Kurt would be proud. The director, the director was not happy with me at all. In fact, he was really pissed off. He thought that I stole his movie and I was just some bootlegger trying to make an extra buck on his dime. I was mortified. We talked for like 20 minutes and he went on and on how about it wasn't making boatloads of cash on the film. It was about getting funding to continue to make films like this. The heated argument ended and we agreed to do a podcast together. Still to this day, Brett Morgan has never returned my calls. I just felt like Kurt owed me something for a lifetime of tribulation. In a way, I, I guess I thought that the film was made for fans like me, still trying to make sense of it all. So in the spirit of punk rock, I pirated the film. I'm sorry for stealing your movie, Brett. As we celebrate Kurt's 50th birthday today, one can't help but to wonder what if he didn't die. Spin Magazine a few years ago released a hypothetical timeline of what Kurt's life would have looked like. We can only fantasize about this. I then asked myself, what would I be like today? What if that trauma didn't happen to me at age 14? Would my life be any different? Recovering from surgery gave me lots of time to think about it. Most people argue that it would have, been abs it would have absolutely no effect, but the truth is Kurt's death made me who I am today. I'm a firm believer in equal rights for all. I'm a compassionate artist who cares deeply for people. I like to help people. I like to teach people. I like to play guitar. I like to play in bands to express myself. Without Kurt's music, there would be no Delta 9, Downtown Harvest, Ditto, Demi, or Pocket Dial. I could have been an entirely different person, or maybe I'd just be the same, but the fact remains I was heavily influenced and still am in my adult life by Kurt Cobain. If I can go back in time, I would tell my 14-year-old self that everything was going to be all right. You're going to have a beautiful son and wife that loves you very much. You're going to inspire people to express themselves through art. You're going to be someone who stands up for others. You're going to be okay. Over the years in my social circle, some of my friends have died from drug overdoses. Sometimes you read about it on Facebook, sometimes you find out secondhand, or sometimes you find out through an early morning phone call from a friend shaken to the core. Too many people opt out of trying to help someone because they simply can't put the person before the addiction. Addiction, addiction can change people. Addiction can make them tell lies. Addiction can make them steal from others. At the core of this, we have to realize it's not the person that's the problem. It is, in fact, the addiction, a plague that will continue to take our loved ones until we do something about it. I encourage you to make the choice to help someone in need. Pick up the phone. Call them. Tell them you love them before it's too late. The other week, I let my son watch Nirvana live and loud. He was jumping up and down to the music with a smile on his face. This made me so happy. This is what Kurt's music really was about. Punk rock, freedom, expression, happiness, sadness, everything that's good and bad and like One baby people to another says I'm lucky to meet you.
Guitar